Um, okay. Okay, we're going to be discussing uh, Disney and all the sequels there. I'm going to be pulling up that story first. Uh, all right. Here we go. Okay, so Frozen, Toy Story, and Zootopia sequels are in the works, D- uh, Disney CEO mm-hmm. Bob Iger says. Anime sequels to Toy Story, Frozen, and Zootopia are in the works. Uh, this is Bob Iger's quote. He says, Today I'm so pleased to announce that we have sequels in the works from our animation studios to some of our most popular franchises, uh, to- Toy Story, Frozen, and Zootopia. We'll have more to share about these productions soon, but this is a great example of how we're learning, uh, how we're leaning into our unra- uh, to unrivaled brands and franchises franchises um hmm, very interesting um the news came in the wake of some sour news read a 5.5 billion cost savings uh by the conglomerate across all divisions and 77,000 jobs getting cut at disney uh the most recent installments of these animated franchises were huge global grossing hits on the big screen frozen 2 1.45 billion dollars in 2019 uh, pixar's toy story 4 1.7 uh, 1.07 billion in 2019, and Zootopia, which 1.02 billion in 2016. Um, so do you think? So I mean, they probably already had this planned already, obviously with the sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but they were probably. Do you think they were probably anticipating the news coming out already, and then they were like, okay, well, we're gonna we have to alleviate this with the news of the sequels. I mean, what do you think there of like the 7,000 jobs being cut? And then I know they also said like 2.4 million subscribers were also lost um, from Disney Plus mm-hmm. at the, the quarter of 2023. Um, but if you read the article talking about it, uh, Disney Plus is not in a certain area. I'm going to try to pull up the article there, but mm-hmm. they said they got lost from a certain area. But uh, yeah, what do you yeah, what do you it, think about it, that? Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like Disney Plus got dropped from certain parts of the world, which you know that tends to happen. Um, but I think the announcement of those sequels are kind of to for Disney to save face with uh, all the bad PR they're getting about those uh, about those jobs being cut, about how much uh, how many employees are getting laid off. But I also think it's kind of sad to see, even though I liked Toy Story four quite a bit, that, that was probably one of my favorite movies of 2019, and I really ended up loving Zootopia when I finally saw it. Frozen two. It's a movie that's not made for me, but I appreciate it for what it is. And it's no surprise to me that we're getting sequels to those, but it is disappointing that they're going back to the sequel route after, frankly, kind of the disastrous 2022 that they've had with the box office bombing of both Lightyear and Strange World. But how much of that is on Disney? Probably not a lot because, you know, they didn't market either of those movies very well. Uh, they had a CEO at the time with uh, Bob Chapek who actively hates animation, kind of looks down on it, and basically set them up to fail. Yeah. Um, so here's the article um, from Variety about them losing the 2.4 million subscribers. Um, so it says the drop in Disney Plus subscribers, which has a which was bigger than uh, analysts expected, was entirely driven by a 3.8 million sequential decline. Disney Plus Hotstar, the version of the service offered in India and parts of Southeast Asia, to stand at uh, 161.8 million um, at the end of 2022 last year. Disney lost streaming rights to the Indian uh, Premier League 
cricket matches, which prompted it to lower growth uh, targets for Disney Ooh. Plus, Hot Star mm-hmm. in India. Um, in the Oof. U.S. Uh, That's slash- a big fucking L. <laughs> Um, and then it also says in the U.S. slash Canada, Disney Plus gained about 200,000 uh, subs to reach 46.6 million. Hulu gained 800,000 in the quarter to stand at 48.0 million. And ESPN Plus increased by 600,000 to 24.9 million. Um, is so, and this is Disney's direct to consumer revenue for the quarter rose 13% to 5.3 billion, while its operating uh, loss increased 78% to 1.05 billion. The higher operating loss, which was better than Alex's forecast, loss of 1.22 billion. Um, one point, yeah, 22 billion here. So, yeah, that's part of some of the reasons why it dropped into subscribers because it was it's not in those uh, parts of the world anymore, like Nick mm-hmm. had mentioned there. Um, and to go back to Nick's point there of talking about, uh, you know, the fact that, yeah, it may have been some of these sequel announcements may have been in response to that of getting people more excited about Disney stuff again in, in you know, the band and getting more subscribers in the in the areas that they are in. And then and then also with these sequels, will they be even good to begin with? I mean, they went to the well a lot with Toy Story. People thought, like, you go into the well with Toy Story 2? Okay, that was pretty good. Then 3. <laughs> hey, that was pretty good. Hey, yeah, that, then, you yeah, did the... Three, yeah, 3 was incredible. It was one of the first Pixar movies to get nominated for Best Picture. Not Best Animated Film, Best Picture, period. Yeah. Um. So it's like, when they did the third one, it was like, damn, you you did a hat trick. Then they were like, okay, we're going to do a fourth one. It's like, damn, you're you, you going to go back? You're going to do it again? I don't know. And then... It turned out pretty well. One is, and the fourth one is fucking incredible too. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, hey, I mean, maybe they could. Can they strike gold again? Uh, I don't know. I mean, let's let's see. Um, so, you know, with that, so you know, Toy Story. Obviously, I mean, I think they were expecting a lot more from Lightyear, um, mm-hmm. which they were kind of which didn't really perform up to. Uh, up to what they were kind of wanted it to um with frozen i've never really been a big frozen guy myself personally for me but you know i know it's a it's a big big hit um zootopia again huge hit for them great movie does really well let's see what what kind of happens zootopia they're gonna yeah yeah zootopia is a great fucking movie and i'm very curious to see how they what they do for a sequel because the first one was such an allegory for racism i wonder how they explore that further uh when it eventually comes out yeah frozen yeah frozen it's a movie that i wasn't too crazy about but that movie also got me laid more times than any disney film ever has so Good looking out, Elsa. Uh, um, and speaking about their uh, recent track of the original film, this is from Deadline um, here. So it says franchise sequel. Uh, franchise sequels work. Uh, unfortunately, Disney's original films of late have been low grossers, i.e., Strange World, mm-hmm. Tank with under 74 million worldwide, and was fast tracked uh, onto Disney Plus to close to a month after its theatrical release. And Kanto released mm-hmm. at Thanksgiving 2021, did just over 256 million globally um, and only 996 uh, million stateside. But it was at the time when families were just making their way back to theaters after COVID shutdowns. The pick was reportedly a huge hit on Disney Plus. Plus. Um, so you had some of those things. So Strange World, I mean, that was a victim of marketing too. I mean, that was it, it just yeah. was woefully undermarketed, um, which was kind of a big thing there. Um, but I think when it went on Disney Plus, Strange World, it did do pretty well on Disney Plus. It was like number mm-hmm. one when it Yeah, and 
Yeah, and that's and that's the thing with a lot of these animated films because families are going to see it. It's way more expensive for like a family of four to go to a movie theater than it is for just like you or me. Yeah. Um, so you got to bring the whole family. So these are, you know, movies are supposed to get like a big family there, getting everybody there, like you said, um, up and there. They've kind of incentivized us in a way to not see these movies in theaters because, you know, just wait a month and it's going to be on Disney Plus. True. That may also have something to do with it, too. Like, you know, it's like, well, it's going to be on Disney Plus eventually. Might as well just wait. We're already paying for this service. You know, might as well just wait for it to come there. Uh, but, you know, like I said, like the like the article was mentioned from Deadline, um, hey, sequels, franchises, those would make a lot of money, especially when you're competing against the other big franchises like the Marvels and everything like that, the DC stuff. Yeah, and yeah, and even talking about Disney, we talked about how uh, how some of these live action remakes that they do end up being huge box office hits and how some don't. Like we talked about how uh, Mulan was kind of a bomb, but that was like during COVID. Also, the movie sucked ass. <laughs> or and films like uh, films like Dumbo bombed, but films like Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King were huge hits, and even something like Jungle Book. Yeah, billion dollar movies. Uh, those Disney remakes that they've done. Um, again, I think that's part of it too of them, you know, being so doing those Disney live action remakes because you know usually. Most of them perform pretty well, especially the ones from the 90s. When we, when we talked about the whole Little Mermaid discussion, we said that, you know, how well it would do in theaters. Like, well, these movies typically from the 90s do really well. Like you mentioned, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Aladdin, those all made a billion dollars because probably because there's a strong market of people that remember those movies when they were kids, millennials especially, growing up, that 90s renaissance of movies um and probably and, and it's been the and it's been the older remake the remakes of older stuff that that have been the ones that have kind of shit the bed like dumbo like a pinocchio like a some yeah pinocchio which they didn't even bother bringing out to theaters they just dumped it on disney plus because yeah. they knew <laughs> yeah um and then maybe with bob Iger back in the the ceo position Maybe that's going to shift it in a different direction, and then things are going to, you know, maybe he knew, had a better idea of what to do rather than Bob Chapik. But uh, we'll we'll kind of see that there. Um, Disney at this point in time, what they're doing with their stuff, just with the animation, uh, because there you have some people who said that well, Disney's not the same anymore; it's falling off, and it's you know all this other stuff. What's your opinion on Disney animation as of now? I think Disney animation has kind of fallen into that camp where it is it has become hit or miss but when they hit especially with uh, stuff like soul stuff like turning red even stuff like uh, zootopia all of that all of those great films those films are fan fucking tastic but when they miss which i finally saw strange world and i wasn't too crazy about it i thought the movie was just okay stuff mm -hmm. like Lightyear, which i thought was fairly mediocre it's almost disappointing whenever one of their movies isn't up to snuff because it's like, I know you're better than this. I know this studio is better than this. I come to expect greatness from this side of your company. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, true. Um, so yeah, a lot of stuff like that. Like I said, strange world, just okay. I mean, I thought the same thing, just okay. Light year was also just okay. Um, <laughs> and you know, there's such high expectations, especially with Disney animation, of all the great things. And I think people forget when you have a couple of duds, all the great things, you know, that are there. Yeah, it, it's like, yeah, it's like, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. That becomes the question for me. Yeah. 
Um, so you kind of have that. Um, and do you like, and some people have complained with some of this Disney animation, like, you know, there's no, you know, really, I think some people have attributed the downfall of this, like, Disney villains, you know, like, you know, speaking of that, we had some classic Disney, like Jafar, Mufasa, I mean, not Mufasa, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Scar, and, and all the kind of, like, Disney villains, iconic Disney villains like that. Do you think that's part of the problem? Because you think Disney stuff, like Pixar stuff, these animated movies are too focused mm-hmm. on, like, maybe the more personal drama, inter-turmoil, like, stuff like Encanto, like, there was no main villain. It just was, like, generational trauma was the, you know, was the villain here, yes. you know? Do you think that's part of <laughs> Shit. it? Shit. Um, it's kind of hard to say, because even a film like Encanto, that was a huge hit for Disney, you know, not when it was in theaters, but when it eventually dropped on Disney Plus, that became really huge for them. And it's kind of hard to say. It's like a very case by case basis. I feel like uh, because a lot of uh, a lot of millennials are coming into directing a lot of these newer films, p- people like uh, like uh, Domi Shi, who directed uh, who directed Turning Red, a lot of it became just write what you know. And we didn't really grow up with a lot of these like big iconic villains and just writing our own lives, especially with turning red, which uh, she spoke about as being semi closer to being autobiographical than she would have liked and writing a lot of her pain and her trauma into that film. Even a film like soul, which is my favorite movie of uh, 2020 that really doesn't have a main villain. Hmm. Uh, I mean, but I think we we kind of did. I mean, because she's in the age range as us, because she's mm-hmm. the woman who directed Turning Red. She's like in her early thirties, so she's kind of in the same mm-hmm. age range as us. And I mean, she probably grew up with Little Mermaid and Aladdin mm-hmm. and Lion King and Hercules. But and... I but I think that might be a little bit because you know every single writer is probably their own worst critic. So mm-hmm. it's like we already have a lot of these iconic Disney villains and. If you know you're not going to top it, then why try to write that? Instead, mm-hmm. focus on something a little more personal with your script. Yeah. And I, I like some of the personal stuff they did, like Soul, Encanto, Turning Red. Like, there is no, I mean, well, I guess if you want to count mm-hmm. the mother and then generational trauma again. <laughs> but, you know, there is no real big, you know, big villain here. You know what I mean? Like like something on that level, like you saw maybe. I mean, what was the, kind of the last big kind of Disney villain that we got? Was it the one from Princess and the Frog? Was it? I think it was. Uh, I think it was Lotso Huggin' Bear from freaking Toy Story Three. Oh, okay. Because, because even Toy Story Four, the the Gabby doll, she ended up getting fleshed out and getting more character depth to her than in order to just not be a complete villain. Hmm. Okay. Or or maybe the the real villain of Zootopia. Uh, racism. What? <laughs> Uh, I've never actually... was the. You haven't seen Zootopia. I've not seen Zootopia, no. Dude. <laughs> no, I've I've not seen Zootopia. Yeah. Yo, you said this to me. Credit card revoked. <laughs> yeah, it's been on my list forever. I have not seen it. But who's the who's the main villain of that? I'm not gonna tell you now. Oh, okay. Well, I'll go watch it. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'll figure it. I'll go watch it myself. But uh, who was the main villain in Frozen? I saw Frozen, but I forgot who was the big villain. Frozen, it was it was uh it was uh the Dick- Prince Hans, who was voiced by uh, Santino uh, Fontana. Oh, okay, he was the asshole rich guy, right? The asshole rich guy. But yeah, that- he was the asshole rich guy. Yeah, <laughs> he was he was basically Disney Kendall Roy. Oh, okay, yeah. So 
Um, yeah, so maybe that, I don't know, maybe that's what's going to bring people back if you had, bring back those things, those big villains, maybe. Um, or just, you know, maybe, like I said, it's kind of was a weird time these last few years with the COVID, mm-hmm. um, and then trying to yeah, do it. it, it yeah, it's been a weird time the last couple of years with COVID. And also you have DreamWorks who created the most badass animated villain of all time with uh, the big bad wolf. Oh, yeah, true. The big bad wolf. That was <laughs> great villain. Yeah. Uh, that made... motherfucker is terrifying. Yeah. Great voice work. I love the voice work with that with the big bad wolf and Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Um, yeah. So um, that was Disney um, and their sequels. Um, all right, we're going to be discussing AMC. Um, so AMC has a new policy that they're maybe thinking about doing. Um, so it says this is via CNN. It says AMC theaters is changing its ticket pricing. America's largest movie chain announced that the prices of tickets will now be based on seat location, meaning seats in front will be cheaper, while the more desirable seats in the middle row will now cost more. The ticket pricing initiative um, called Sightline at AMC will roll out um, uh, will roll out at all of its roughly 1,000 movie theaters by the end of the year. Uh, three pricing tiers will soon be offered. For example, the highest end preferred tier are in the middle of the theater. It will be priced uh, at the slight premium compared to its standard tier, which the theater chain says will remain uh, the cost uh, that remain the most common choice and will be sold from the traditional uh, cost of a ticket. The third tier is called value, which uh, are seats in the front row of theaters and will cost less than its standard tier. Mm-hmm. Um, which, which, where do you like to sit typically? You like to sit? I, I, I try to aim for like the middle, uh, whichever the side where the uh, the railing for like the handicap seats are because I like to put my feet up. Mm. But most of the theaters I've gone to have the like recliners, at least uh, most of the AMCs I go to now have the recliners in there. So that's kind of pointless. But I still like to be like right around the middle. Yeah. Me, I prefer far in the back. I like to go way in the back mm-hmm. at usually at the corner. So like typically when the movie's over, um, I just like to get right up. I'm already at the steps. I'm already going. I'm leaving because it, it sucks kind of being in the middle and you got to wait for everybody else to leave. And then you got to, you know what I mean? Especially when it's like a, a packed theater. Like if you're trying to go see like, you know, a big movie, you know, you're in the middle. It takes forever to everybody get up and then everybody's stretching and then you got to leave. And then that takes a minute. So I like being on the corner, usually mm-hmm. typically far back. Um, so I can just get up and go. Um, so this is further the CNN article. They said uh, Sightline and AMC more closely aligns AMC's uh, seat pricing approach to that of many other entertainment venues offering experience-based pricing and another way for moviegoers to find value at the movies, um, said Elliot uh, Hamishmish, uh, Hamilsh, um, AMC's chief marketing officer um, in a press release. Um, AMC said that uh, said a seating map will show the adjusted prices and sightline will also be used uh, on showings after 4 p.m. Um, live theater such as Broadway has been uh, has long been using a similar method of price seat, uh, pricing for seats, although front row there can fetch top price. Movie theaters outside the United States also have similar location pricing standards that remain uncommon for American movie theaters. Um, and then Sightline also provides uh, customers with an incentive to sign up for AMC's movie uh, pass like subscription program, which me and Nick talked about. We're both AMC stubs. Mm-hmm. So I guess this doesn't affect this doesn't affect us if we're stubs members. We can still just choose whatever seat. And then because the way stubs works is you have three few, free movies a week that you can do. You can make reservations mm-hmm. for you can get the seats. Yeah. Um, yeah, make reservations. You can book your ticket the second they drop online. Like 
notification that Scream 6 tickets are on sale. And we can do anything like even IMAX, Dolby, uh, uh, 40X, D-Box, uh, 3D for no extra charge. And they said in the press release that Stubbs A-list members will be able to reserve seats in the preferred sightline section at no additional cost. Yeah. So... Yeah, this doesn't really affect us. Who it does affect are the people that don't have those, that don't really go to the movies often. And for a, a business model that's trying to encourage people to come in, you're doing the exact opposite. I, I don't care if it's only like one or two dollars extra for for like the preferred sightline, which I think uh, somebody uh, showed me a little like layout of one of the prospective maps for for the seating. You're just telling people to fuck off away from the movie theater. Yeah. Um, Elijah Wood, uh, Elijah Wood, actor, things, of course, people know him from Lord of the Rings, huge thing. Um, he put out, a, I thought, a really good tweet about it. Um, I'm going to put it on the screen here. Um, so he said the movie theater is, is, is and always has been a sacred a democratic space for all and this new initiative by AMC theaters would essentially penalize people for lower income and reward for higher income. Um, basically there, like you said, it's telling people basically to fuck off. And then uh, somebody replied to see you see underneath this is wait till you hear about Broadway theaters, concert venues, and just uh, mm. about all of entertainment, uh, entertainment hall. What they're doing isn't anything new. And then Elijah hey, will reply. Hey, it's fucked up there too. Yeah. Um, he replied, yes, but this has never been the case for movie theaters. Uh, right. So, I mean, with, I think the difference is with something like seeing a live show as opposed to seeing a movie, movie in a movie theater is like a live show being up close is like, because you're seeing a live performance, you get to hear better, you know, um, be closer to the artist or performer maybe, and get more of a sense of immersion. Maybe if you're that up close to it, um, and have that type of feeling like in a movie theater, being front row and you looking up like this, that's not very comfortable. Yeah, that's, that's that is uncomfortable. That's painful. And I got a like crink in my neck now. And yes, that sounds like hell to be in the front row of a movie theater. Yeah. And then, you know, so there, there's it's different with a live show being up front as opposed to seeing it in a movie. I think there's kind of a difference mm -hmm. there. Um, you know, when you're at some like concert, yeah the, sec or yeah. the second you, yeah, the second you open up a fucking mosh pit for the goddamn Avengers, let me know, <laughs> and then I can maybe see this fucking uh, uh, pricing tier. Yeah. Um. And so I, so I think that is a little bit ridiculous. You know, having charging these different tiers from like the middle and then you know the further back and the front row and everything like that. Like you said, you know, paying extra, it's already enough cost to go to the movies already when you include the fact mm -hmm. that you have concessions, you know, which are a lot of money already you're doing the ticket mm -hmm. price in. And then if you want to take somebody else with you, so if you take a family, so just if you go at, let's say you go at a regular matinee time, which is like two, three, mm -hmm. that's typically like you're paying $10, 10 or $11 and you get effect that pr price there. So then you add on, you know, wife, then a couple kids. So you're at, probably 40 plus right there already when you factor in all those other tickets um yep. and then fucking popcorn you got to get drinks for people you got to get uh, you know if you partake in the uh in the adult beverages that's way more yeah um because you know your mouth is gonna be dry if you you know get popcorn you're going you gotta get a drink that's just salty as hell you must be yeah you gotta get a drink Gotta, you might as well be eating Popeye's biscuit. I mean, you got to get a drink with it. You know what I mean? So you got to get that with it. So, yeah, I mean, so to go to a theater is a 
big kind of pricey experience already. And then, you know, already things are already going up already. So to add on to that with this whole tier system seems kind of kind of ridiculous there. Um, yeah. Is that kind of like your big thought? It just seems kind of ridiculous. Yeah, that's more that's more or less where I'm at. Especially just all the work that uh, studios have been doing to get people back in the theaters. People like Tom Cruise, who, as much as I'm just kind of eh on Top Gun Maverick, it was a big hit. And some people would say it saved cinema. Yeah, Nathan Flynn, I know you're probably listening to this. Fuck you. <laughs> Top Gun's just okay. But, yeah, it did basically save cinema. Stuff like Wakanda Forever, huge hits in in films like that, that are these kind of big events driving people back to the cinema. And now you get theaters saying, oh, wait, people are actually coming back? Let's try and price gouge a little more. All it would take to stop this is one big, one big, big wig, one big wig in Hollywood. Like Tom Cruise saying, okay, then I'm not showing Mission Impossible in any of your theaters. Bye. Yeah. Well, I don't think Tom Cruise has that power. I don't think to, sh- to not be able to show Mission Impossible. I don't think that's the studio up to the he's, studio. He's the executive producer on. He's got that power. His, he basically killed Movie Pass. <laughs> he's got that power. Yeah, I mean, he couldn't kill South Park when they were making fun of Scientology. So I don't know. Eh, better, uh, bigger people than them have tried. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I. Yeah. I think studios maybe there's a potential they'll come in and be like this is going to be bad for us because you know mm-hmm. we want maximum amount of people to fill the theater so people can go see these movies so you can so these movies can reach billions of dollars um so i maybe envision something like that kind of happening or maybe like i said bigger celebrities kind of coming in biggie movie stars you know kind of coming in and talking about like yeah I don't think this is such a good idea um, for that. And maybe it is trying to push people more to doing the whole AMC Stubbs thing. Um, you know, that program where you can pay the 20 bucks and you can, you know, get the tickets and everything like that. Um, but the AMC Stubbs thing. I mean, if you, I mean, if you go, I mean, even if you see one movie a week out of that three, you're still basically paying for that subscription. Yeah. Um, so that's true. Because even if you have a family, so if you do an AMC Stubbs thing, so because mm-hmm. you can reserve. It's like, yeah, like you can reserve one ticket free. Yeah, because yeah. I've done this a lot of times when I'm back home. So at least one of the tickets is free whenever I take like my dad or my parents with me. Yeah, so at least you get at least kind of one ticket kind of free there. So it saves a little bit of the cost there. And then you get the bonus rewards when you do when you order food there. So you can redeem that and then get a free, you know, so you have to order like a $50 uh, large Pepsi and then you get a you know reward and then you can get $5 off on the $65 uh, popcorn that mm-hmm. you're going to order and shit like that. So um, and, and, and then only pay that. So um, you, you can kind of do that stuff. So. Um, yeah, so we'll see um, if they can kind of continue with that, if they're going to be able to do that. Um, I'm trying to see. It uh, doesn't say when they're exactly. Uh, did they say exactly uh, when they were going to roll it out? Um, I'm, I was trying to maybe pull that story. I don't, I don't think they have a precise date yet. I think they're kind of putting out the press release for it now, kind of gauging the response to see if anyone will actually yeah. like stick around with it. And yeah. kind of similar to how Netflix is, keeps announcing like password uh cracking down on password sharing and that lasted for what two days yeah uh because by the time we put up the video hey that shit they already said like ah <laughs> nah we ain't doing this ah uh, just ah uh, jk yeah um so I, yeah i don't think there's a date of when they're kind of gonna be rolling out so maybe reaction to it will be enough for them to go like yeah maybe yeah, maybe this ain't worth it um but uh yeah 
Um, yeah, because I don't see exactly. Um, they say we'll roll uh, roll out uh, at all the roughly 1,000 movie theaters by the end of the year. So it's close to, like they said, end of the year. That's the time frame there. Um, Sightline is what the new program is called. Okay. Um, well, I mean, and then people, you know, if they can't, if maybe they'll divert from going to AMC to go to maybe Regal, Cinemark, as we talk about, those are usually the two other big ones that are there that people can go to. But AMC is very convenient because there's a lot of, always a lot of AMCs <laughs> around um, wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's, yeah, I restarted my uh, my Stubbs membership uh, when I came back to the States, mostly because there's like an AMC like 10 minutes away from my house. Yeah, so it's the convenience of it too is, is would be, you know, Maybe hard for some people to to find another movie theater, especially if you're in a small town. Like usually, like sometimes an AMC is like you know there's only typically maybe one that's close by you if you kind of in a smaller kind of area um, there. Because in a bigger city, you can go to maybe a lot of other independent smaller chains that you can kind of find. I mean, it's a little out of your way, but you can mm-hmm. kind of find it. Um, the area I'm in, I could do Alamo Draft House, which is nice. It's a nice experience mm-hmm. doing Alamo Draft House, and they are quick about them phones they will swoop down like you oh, they don't they uh, don't fucking play with that shit as soon as they see a light boom they on that shit they like what you doing <laughs> they got the flashlight in your eyes like a cop maybe Yo, doing that turn that phone off or it's going up in your ass yeah <laughs> i mean so they they are they are on it so if you want that <laughs> theater experience bouncer they, they don't have ushers at the fucking alamo they have bouncers. Yeah, um, they are they are on it, man. I'm telling you. Um, so if you want that, uh, then you can order food. They do the whole dining thing uh, there. It's just pricey. And the food. Yeah, I've done the. Yeah, I've done Alamo Draft House every time. Shit is a great fucking experience every time I've gone. Yeah, it's just going every time. It just gets a little pricey because you you know if you want to order food and yeah. do all that stuff, it's just like it's a lot when the, the bill comes yeah, out. Shit, yeah, it's shit like, adds up. Yeah, when you when you do all yeah, that, that, yeah. that bill comes out is like, bitch, are you for real? Yeah, at least the tip comes included with the bill, so you don't have to add on a tip to it. So that's that pretty true. good. Um, so that's pretty nice. Um, yeah. So that was AMC. Mm-hmm.